0: Hey everyone, and welcome to the Bethlehem Church of Christ podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that today's message encourages and inspires you and helps you on your journey to discover and follow the will of God. To obtain the typed outline of today's message, you can go to the show notes or details page of your podcast platform. It's not only important that we know who Jesus is, but we must also understand the hope that we have for the future through him. And in today's message, Tom will talk just about that, building off of the message that we had last week about Jesus and who he is. And now, here's Tom Claiborne with a message called, Jesus, Still Our Hope. It was a rough-looking sign that I barely noticed as I drove past it quite a few years ago in Claremont County. It was small and simple, and on it were two words, Jesus is. (laughs) Jesus is. That was it. Nothing more on the sign. So it really stirred my thinking. Had there once been more to the sign that had fallen off due to neglect? Or was it meant to be a, so thought-provoking so that people like you or me or even a skeptic would drive by and ask ourselves, Jesus is what? <laughs> Jesus is. You know how you and I complete that phrase, Jesus is, becomes one of the most crucial things we will ever do in life. I once sent out a congregational email asking many of you to complete that phrase, Jesus is. And here are the answers I got from many of you. Lord, awesome, my best friend, everything, Lord of all. Wonderful, my Savior, alive, my rock, healer of broken hearts, trustworthy and faithful, peace, my all, forgiving, all I need, coming back, my hope, my hope. Friends, there is no sign or billboard large enough to describe all Jesus is. Last Sunday, we looked at many of Jesus' claims about himself, and they were staggering. (laughs) And they were ridiculous if they were not true. Well, today, we're going to look at one that we did not look at last Sunday. In Revelation 1 8, God the Father, God the Father says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, who is and who was, and who is to come the Almighty. But then God the Son, Jesus, makes this claim on the front of your bulletin this morning, Revelation 22, 12 and 13. Jesus said, Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. If you're not familiar with that terminology, the word Alpha simply uh, is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Omega was the last letter of the Greek alphabet. It still is. (laughs) In other words, everything begins with Jesus And someday Jesus will bring down the curtain on the drama of human history. So let's look at some of the encouraging implications of Jesus being Alpha and Omega for our lives today. First of all, let's notice Jesus is Alpha. In other words, He is Lord of the past. He's Lord of the past. And that means essentially He is eternal. You'll look in John chapter 1, I think it's one of the most amazing beginnings of any book of the Bible, very similar to Genesis 1 in some ways, but it introduces someone or something that's referred to as the Word, W-O-R-D, capital W-O-R-D, and it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word, catch this, was God. He was with God in the beginning through Him. All things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. And there's a lot more description. You get down to verse 14, and it begins to identify who the Word is. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. He is eternal. Jesus is eternal. Jesus' existence did not begin on a, one silent holy night in the little town of Bethlehem with silent stars going by while shepherds watched their flocks at night and some angel named Harold sang. <laughs> when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, he was simply changing roles for a while. He is eternal. He is fully God and fully human. Somebody once speculated what could have been part of the conversation that Jesus had with the religious leaders in the temple when he was uh, 12 years old. And you recall that his parents couldn't find him to come back and here he is uh, discussing things with the religious leaders. He's 12 years old. Well, someone speculated what some of the questions and things could have been says, someone might have asked Jesus, that 12-year-old boy, "What's what's your name, boy? He could have responded, well, on my mother's side, my name is Jesus, which means Savior, but on my father's side, my name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. Perhaps one of them said, well, where are you from? And he said, well, on my mother's side, I'm from Nazareth, small town in Galilee, but on my father's side, I'm from the very portals of heaven. Maybe one of them could have asked him, how old are you? Jesus could have said, well, on my mother's side, I'm 12 years old. (laughs) But on my father's side, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the great I am. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Look at these verses from Colossians chapter 1. Verse 15-17 through says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. This is Jesus. For by Him, by Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He is before all things. Jesus was before Abraham. He was before Moses. He was even before Adam. He was before the stars. He was before time and space and matter. Jesus was there. He is Alpha, the beginning. He is eternal. But it also means, point B, that he's been there. (laughs) You may have seen over the recent weeks or months uh, some of the pictures and videos coming from Mars where we have a spacecraft sending back some amazing uh, images. And, you know, people, ooh, and they, ah, you know, we've sent something up there that can see all those things, and it's great, we can learn a lot uh, and see new things. But guess what? Jesus had not only seen all that before, (laughs) he created it. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. His character hasn't changed. His love hasn't changed. His truth hasn't changed. His wisdom hasn't changed. His power hasn't changed. His authority has not changed. Isn't it amazing that you and I can personally know the one who's been there, never changed, and is Lord of the past? The one who was alive on his throne when the stars were formed. Alive on his throne when the Egyptian pharaohs built their pyramids. Jesus was alive and on his throne when the walls of Jericho fell. He was alive and on his throne when Jerusalem was destroyed more than once. He was alive and on his throne when Martin Luther nailed his 95 Theses to the door at the Wittenberg Church. He was alive and on his throne when Thomas Jefferson wrote that Creator God or wrote about Creator God in the Declaration of Independence. And Jesus was alive and on his throne when critics began trying to discredit who He actually is. Jesus said, "I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He is Alpha, He is Lord of the past. Do you really know him? But secondly, Jesus is Omega. He is the Lord of the future. I don't have to tell you that we live in a changing world, (laughs) rapidly changing world. Don't know if you realize this or not, but at the end of this past December, Floyd Morris turned 90 years of age. So Floyd Morris is in that generation that has seen more rapid, drastic change than any other generation in history in their own lifetime. Well, my mother is a week younger uh, than Floyd, exactly. And on uh, January uh, 3rd, she turned 90 years old. Uh, she was born in 1931. So I decided, since it's hard to buy things for someone 90 years old, one of the things I gave her for her birthday this year was I wrote something. I did a, research, a bunch of research about 1931, all the things that happened and famous events and famous people that were born and, or died that year and all that stuff and then wove in about her and her twin brother being born and all that. But in some of that research, Uh, That I did I noticed some interesting things that give you an idea how much has changed since my mom and Floyd were born 90 years ago 1931 the average cost of a new house was six thousand seven hundred and ninety dollars The average wage per year annual wage was eighteen hundred and fifty dollars The average cost for to rent a house was eighteen dollars per month the average price for a new car was six hundred and forty dollars a gallon of gas cost ten cents. A pound of ground beef cost eleven cents. A loaf of bread cost eight cents. <laughs> and I made this comment in what I wrote for her during her nine decades. She has probably witnessed more dramatic changes in technological developments than the people of any other generation in history wrote about how she had gone through and Floyd through a world war, a Cold War, a civil rights movement, a space race, 16 American presidents, the rise of, the, of international terrorism, the emergence of the Internet, and even, especially recently, the moral decline of America. Now, see, all those changes can be quite overwhelming to us, no matter how old we are, to see that much change And there are many frightening changes going on right now, morally and ethically, in this country. And uncertainty and fear can easily prevail in light of that. But here's the good news in your point B. Jesus is in control. He is omega. He is the end. This world as we know it will not end in a crazy accident. It will not. Jesus is not nervously squirming on his throne in heaven as troubling things happen down here. Yeah, I think he hates somebody, but I think he's concerned about it. But he's not shifting nervously. He has seen natural disasters before. He has seen empires rise and fall. He has seen pandemics come and go. He has seen evil rulers and nations. But you remember what we read in Colossians 1, 16 and 17 earlier? For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and, notice this last phrase this time, in him all things hold together. The one who made all things will maintain all things until he in his wisdom decides to do something different. That means something else is true point c jesus will complete things properly see what jesus begins he ends what jesus starts he finishes and i'm thankful for that especially in the context of him working in my life or your life look what paul writes to the philippians in chapter 1 about god working and finishing his work in people's lives verses 4 through 6 he goes in all my prayers for all of you i always pray with joy Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, and this is awesome, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God is still working on us and in us. He is the potter and we are the clay. He is still hammering and chiseling away in our lives, and his construction permits do not expire. (laughs) What we think is the end of the road is not for him. What we think is too terrible to overcome is not for him. He will bring something good from it. I want you to turn in your Old Testament to the last chapter of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Old Testament. And you you arrive at the death of Moses, big, big time event, scary event to some people. He's the one that led them for 40 years, brought them out of slavery. And I want you to notice something with Moses dying, Joshua taking over, and how God's still in control. Deuteronomy 34, I have a feeling at this point in Joshua's life, he has some serious apprehensions. Deuteronomy 31, Joshua's been told he would be Moses' successor. And then this happens. Deuteronomy 34, verse 5 through 8. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord had said. Joshua's got to be thinking, uh-oh. <laughs> he buried him, theres God buried Moses, in Moab, in the valley opposite Beth Peor, but to this day, no one knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 year, uh, 20 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. Now, what was going through Joshua's mind at this point? Well, I want you to notice, flip over to Joshua 1. Historically, immediately right afterwards. Notice how Joshua 1 begins. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide, Moses, my servant, is dead. (laughs) The the coldness of that has always kind of struck me. It's just a matter of fact. Moses, my servant, is dead. And Joshua's thinking, yeah, I know. He says, now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. God says, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Notice there's no panic in God's voice. What are we going to do? Moses is gone. There's no panic. He just is, he's gone. There's no sense of shock or surprise. God is merely making a matter-of-fact announcement. Life would go on. The work would continue. The mission would still proceed, even without Moses. So he tells Joshua in verses 5 and 6, No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Listen, God will bring to completion His purpose in our lives if we just trust Him and stay within His will. Jesus is Omega, He completes things properly. Do you know him? But Jesus does something else. Jesus offers hope. I want you to turn over to Romans chapter 5, because I want want to just kind of jump with some verses here. Romans 5. Talks about justification, about faith, and especially about hope. Romans 5, verse 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. There is hope through Jesus. But then notice it talks about the realities of life. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. And verse 8 tells us why there can be hope. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Hope through Jesus Christ. I don't have to tell you that there are a lot of people around us in our world. You work around them. You live around them. Maybe some are even in your home. There are a lot of people living without hope. They're living without hope. Probably almost 40 years ago, uh, my mentor, friend, father figure, Gene Doolin, who was the head of TCM International, the mission I worked with in the 1970s. Gene Doolin took a group of Christians from America into the Soviet Union. And at the end of their tour they had had a uh, uh, an interpreter it was kind of a tour guide slash interpreter russian lady not a christian uh that had gone with them to interpret and 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 guide them when they were all saying goodbye at the airport to her many of the the christians from america were wishing her well and her response to them was heartbreaking because here was a, a woman not yet a christian Knowing she was going back in an oppressive communist system, and they were coming back here, she said to those Christians, You have a future. All I have is my two boys and now. All I have is my two boys and now. With tears in her eyes, she walked away into the darkness. You know there are a lot of people even in america who all they really have is their huge bank account and now their nice house and nice vehicles and now this life their academic and sports achievements and now and someday those things will all be gone and they will have nothing left nothing when they leave this life. Do you have a future? In Jesus, we can. He said, I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And that brings us to our third one. Now we combine those things. Jesus is alpha and omega, which means he is Lord of the present. You see, if he's Lord of the past and he's Lord of the future, that means he's Lord of everything in between. He is not limited to the distant past or to the far-off future. He is an all-encompassing, ever-present God. And that's what your point A is. He is present, here and now. You know, I think we act like we forget that. We panic in certain situations in life and cry out, Where is God? It's kind of like the family with the wandering dog named Zelda. Her dog always seemed to just kind of be wandering off somewhere else in town and they'd have to get in a truck and drive around the community and find her and bring her back home. One of the family members shared this incident. Usually my father and I would climb in our trucks and find her within a few minutes. He said, but on one occasion we had failed to locate her after more than an hour of searching. Fearing that she had been struck by a car, we stopped by our neighbor's house and asked him if he had seen her. (laughs) To which the neighbor says, Isn't that her right there? And he points in the back of the pickup truck where Zelda has been riding along with them as they've been driving around town looking for her. (laughs) You know, life gets chaotic. We run around in panic asking, where's Jesus? (laughs) Where's Jesus now that I need him? (laughs) And meanwhile, we've either overlooked him Or maybe even shoved him into the back corner of our life when he's been there reaching out to us all along Psalm 31 14 through 16 David is praying to God knowing he's there he says but I trust in you Lord I say you are my God my times are in your hands isn't that a cool phrase my times are in your hands Deliver me from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me. Let your face shine on your servant. Save me in your unfailing love. Jesus is present. But because Jesus is present, it means he gives purpose too. He gives purpose because he never changes. His character never changes. His mission never changes. His love never changes. His power never changes. His truth never changes. His authority never changes. When we live for the one who is the beginning and the end, life has purpose. I love how Jesus said it in Revelation 21, 6. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. He gives purpose. But he also gives something else. He gives power. I don't know about you, there's a lot of times in my life I feel weak and I feel exhausted and I, I just need an enabler like Jesus. Notice this passage in Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, that's a whole different level, according to his power that is at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Point is, He is able. He is able. After that point on your outline, there's three, four scriptures I think mentioned. mention. One of them says, He is able to save, Hebrews 7, 25. Jude 24 says, He is able to keep us from falling. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says he is, a, uh, he is able to help us when we're tempted. 2 Corinthians 9.8 says He is able to make all grace abound. There is so much that you and I cannot do by ourselves and on our own. There is so much that money cannot buy. But Jesus is Alpha and Omega. He is Lord of the past, Lord of the present, Lord of the future. And here's the good news when Jesus is truly our personal Lord as someone has expressed it. You never need to think of yourself as forsaken because Jesus has called you his own. You never need to think of yourself as alone because Jesus is always with you. You never need to think of yourself as rejected because Jesus holds you in his arms. You never need to think of yourself as defenseless. Because Jesus is your protector. You never need to think of yourself as inadequate, because Jesus is your provider. You never need to think of yourself as useless, because Jesus has a purpose and plan for your life. You never need to think of yourself as hopeless, because Jesus is your future. You never need to think of yourself as defeated, because Jesus is your victory You never need to think of yourself as weak because Jesus is your strength. You never need to think of yourself as perplexed because Jesus is your peace. You never need to think of yourself as needy because Jesus is your daily provider. You never need to think of yourself as unappreciated because Jesus is your everlasting reward. Jesus is Alpha and Omega. He is Lord of the present. And that brings us to our fourth point. Jesus is, and you'll notice there's a blank there. And after that blank, there are three question marks, and that's deliberate, because I cannot tell you how to fill in this blank. I know for those of you who like to go through it, some of you try to guess the blanks before I get to them. (laughs) Good luck on this one, because you are the only one that knows what goes in that, related to yourself. You see, the point is, and we said this last week in another way, I must decide who Jesus is. I must decide who Jesus is, and you must decide who Jesus is. We saw last Sunday that we cannot be neutral about Jesus. He did not allow that. We can't pass Jesus off as a mere prophet, or a great teacher, or a nice guy. He made so many bold, amazing claims about himself that if they were not true, he's an idiot or he's a liar. So one day, Jesus posed two questions to his closest followers. In Matthew 16, uh, he's been teaching long enough, and he asked his disciples uh, two questions. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? In other words, what are they saying out there? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then he asked the most important question. What about you? What about you? Who do you say I am? Peter answered, You're the Messiah, the Son of the Living God. What about you? Is Jesus the Lord? Or was he just lying when he made all those amazing claims? Is he the Savior, or was he just a silly imposter pretending? Jesus himself made a statement in John 14, 6, on the night between the Lord's Supper and his arrest, that a lot of people in our politically correct culture do not like, because it's narrow. And Jesus intended for it to be narrow when he said, I am the way and the truth, and the life and notice what it says next no one comes to the father except through me nobody rc sproul expressed it well when he said moses could mediate the law muhammad could brandish a sword buddha could give personal counsel confucius could offer wise sayings But none of these men was qualified to offer an atonement for the sins of the world. Jesus alone was qualified. So we have to decide who he is. And then we must decide what we will do. I must decide what I will do. In his last hours before dying on the cross, this is is striking to me. Turn to John chapter 18. The last hours before Jesus died on the cross, he somehow, some way, managed to force everybody around him to decide who they were and what they were going to do about him. You know, we think of Jesus, or, well, we know scriptures, we probably don't, but some people think of Jesus at that point in his life saying, you know, he's kind of the victim. They've got him, they've got him bound with chains probably and they're beating him and, and then he, he put him on a cross and, he, and they kill him. You know, he's, kind of, he's the victim here. No, Jesus was in charge before that. He was in charge all through it. He was in charge in the end. And it's very evident in John chapter 18, how he turns the tables and makes everyone make a choice about him. From verses four to seven, I'm not going to read all these, but I'm just going to point out these sections. This is when they come to arrest him and he he goes out to meet them. And he says, who is it you want? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth. And he goes, that's me. And there's even a cool part where they all fall back to the ground. And he goes you know i told you that i'm he if you're looking for me then let these men go point was jesus was in charge and he was making them decide he identified who he was and he says now you have to decide what you're gonna do with me you're gonna go ahead and arrest me you have to decide then we get to verse 15 and following and you have his own disciple peter peter who ended up denying him three times peter was given a choice what he would do three times in a row he failed He made the wrong choice. Then you come to verse 28 and following, and Jesus is brought before the governor, Pilate. And it's interesting, Pilate thinks he's in charge. (laughs) And yet Jesus keeps throwing questions back at him. You know, I mean, Jesus has been beaten. He's in a unbelievable agony already. And he's very calm, asking Pilate the questions. And he forced pilate to make a choice and then in chapter 19 starting at verse 13 when pilate tries to turn the tables and and make push it out on everybody else jesus makes the entire crowd decide what they're going to do with him so you see our question is what are we going to do about him will we accept him and live for him or will we turn away you think about it it's all about jesus And even the the steps Jesus gave us uh, for our response to his grace and to accept his forgiveness, they're all centered in Jesus. Our faith is in him, Jesus. We confess that Jesus is Lord in Christ. We repent to exclusively follow Jesus. (laughs) We are baptized into Jesus as we reenact his death and burial and resurrection and bury our old life picturing jesus and then we faithfully follow and serve jesus it's all about jesus (laughs) so back on the front of your bulletin that first verse we haven't said much about jesus says behold i am coming soon my reward is with me and i will give to everyone according to what he has done (laughs) in other words what he has done with me so what do you believe about jesus And then this question at the bottom of your page, what will I do? What will I do? But the question is, will we say yes to Jesus? What does it mean to say yes to him? Well, we just talked about some of what that meant uh, right a moment ago. Well, I say yes to him? Yes on who he is? Yes to his claims? Yeah, I I believe he was telling the truth when he claimed all those things. No, he wasn't mistaken. No, he wasn't lying. No, he wasn't kidding. (laughs) I believe he was all those things. And because I believe all those things about him, I'm willing to put my life in his hands completely. And I'm willing to follow him, whatever that looks like. Jesus is Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the end, the first and the last. Is he going to be the first and the last in your life? Maybe you need to recommit to that uh commitment that you made at some point years ago, decades ago even, that you've not, not been living like you were following him and he's your Lord. So as we stand this morning, let's think about what we're saying when we say, yes I will, <laughs> you know. Lift praise your name. Yes, I will follow you. And let's really follow the one who is all those things and invites us to eternity with him. Thank you for listening to the Bethlehem Church of Christ podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and think others can benefit from it, we encourage you to share it on social media, subscribe to our podcast, or leave us a rating and review on the podcast platform you use. You can also connect with us online at Bethlehem505.org or find us on Facebook. Please join us next time as we each seek to understand God's Word and follow His Son, Jesus Christ.